Narsk Walking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. We're here to talk about Tales of the Walking Dead's fourth episode titled Amy slash Dr. Everett. Dr. Chauncey Everett, apparently. Chauncey. Before we continue, I, I know we have a sale in the merch store, which is probably up to 35% off in the store. As well as I think it's going to be $14 t-shirts, classic t-shirts. So head over there now. I do have to say something, though, on that note. A lawyer actually contacted us prior to me going on vacation. I can't believe I didn't mention this before, even in our Discord. The lawyer represents uh, AMC slash Skybound uh, Entertainment and, and all that stuff. And they had said that some of our designs violate, uh, you know, their copyright and trademark. Good news is all of our logo shirts are still up. So that's, that's great. But mm. most of our art shirts that weren't done by artists, which I kept up and I said, I'm not taking this down. These were commissioned by artists. They are facsimiles. None of your assets were used in the making of these creations. So they're staying up and that's that. And I didn't hear back from her. Uh, so, hey, support support the rest <laughs> of the work that we have up in our merch store by heading over to squawkingdead.com. Clicking the main menu in the top left and click merch, you'll see the sale automatically pop up and help support the podcast where it's on your body. It's more of like really like if you like what we're doing, it's more of like advertising and, be, and belonging and feeling like you belong to this podcast. So head over there now. I will be making custom shirts for Anthony's viewing party as well. So uh, that will be done through a different service, I think. But uh, I, I'll see about maybe even making custom shirts as well, like something that has a... Is the TWD viewing party logo on the back or something, or maybe on the front or something? But you know, I'll, I'll work with with Anthony and see if we can do something like that—the viewing party to end all viewing parties with our logo I want on me it. Some of those illicit contraband shirts. <laughs> you know, don't you know worry. What this I, means right. I could, I could make as long as I'm not selling them. I think I could, I can give you some of the You've illicit contraband it. shirts. <laughs> You've made it. You've been threatened a lawsuit by AMC. Right. You've officially made it. That's kind of why I, I mentioned it, because it's like, yeah, look, it's like it looks like we're getting some of some of the people's attention. Another thing that we wanted to talk about before the show is something that Charity wanted to say. First, I just want to thank everybody. It has been about three weeks since we got struck by lightning and lost a bunch of our stuff. And your house was struck by lightning. Our house was struck by lightning. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, we lost TVs, water heater, refrigerator, ceiling fans, all that computer, all that kind of stuff. And I just want to thank everybody who donated, shared, everybody who even just replied to me and, you know, said, sorry, that happened to you and everything. This family is amazing. We are so lucky and so fortunate to have all these amazing people in this family. But I especially want to thank Bridget for putting it together because I wouldn't have done it for myself. <laughs> so thank you. I would be remiss without thanking Jenna because, oh my God, I'm not, I'm not going to say it out loud, but oh my God. And um, <laughs> she blasted you know, it basically. Is that she's just, yeah. oh she's just gosh. awesome. She's was, just awesome. She was very generous. I'll put it that way. Oh, that's really nice. Well, thank you, Jenna. Yeah. If you're listening. And thank you. I mean, thank you. Like <laughs> Michael Satrazemus. Thank you. I mean, that was like the biggest surprise. But Renee, Linda, Aiden, Aaron, I know I'm going to miss people. So please don't be angry if I do, guys. I mean, there were so many people <laughs> that donated. Thank you all so, so much for helping us out. This is the best family ever. We were able to replace almost everything. Just yesterday, we finally got the final wiring done that we had to rewire everything. And um, we finally got the, our TV up. So uh, the new TV, we had to send some, so we ordered some stuff and it didn't work. So we had to send it back. So yeah, um, we, Man, just, just in the past few days, we finally kind of got everything back to normal. So you literally got this all 
done in like less than about well, less than two weeks. It's been three weeks. It's three weeks. Three. Okay. So I remember this happened while I was away. I think so. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much all back in order. That's cool. Yep. Pretty much. So I just thank you guys. I love you all. Thank you so much. And if I didn't mention your name, please don't be mad. I can't remember everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, if you didn't mention. If she didn't mention your like name, it was like over fifty people. I don't think you're gonna like list them out. Yeah, right now. and let's let's scroll them on the screen right now. <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. That's I'm too lazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, and uh, one more thing. Uh, wanted to talk about what Rachel's been doing lately because she's cool, and I like to talk about cool things when Rachel's doing cool things. I like to embarrass her on air, and she seems to agree to yeah. do this, so it's fine. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so you've been so okay. When Sharendy last week mentioned that you were working three jobs, one of those jobs happens to be the cat's meow, and yes. you're emceeing a karaoke night. Can you talk yes. a little bit about your antics? Because everybody brings a different flavor to when they emcee karaoke. Oh, so, and well, we know I how mean... much of a showboat you are too. So. <laughs> what (laughs) yeah yeah you're like you come in dressed like a carnival barker and you have sparkly things in your face and i mean you know so all right so the cat's meow is a karaoke club experience what What that means is not only do we have karaoke singers but uh in between the singers we play games we do dances your mc is going to give performances throughout the night this Cat's Meow, this particular one, is actually located inside of a restaurant called Dick's Last Resort. If you're not familiar with Dick's Last Resort, it's one of those restaurants where the servers are, like, rude on purpose. Awesome. And it's freaking awesome. They make these hats out of the paper that they use, and they write horrible things on the hats. (laughs) (laughs) PG-13 or rated R? Somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. Okay. I'm usually the opener for the night, so I go on first, and then we play games. I sing songs. I walk around to the tables and talk to people. I'm just kind of an all around goofball and make sure I'm entertaining people while they're eating their dinner. It sounds like a lot of fun. So it where is a lot of fun, but where is it located? Like this. <laughs> yeah. Where is that located for everybody in case they're um, in the area? So want to visit. If anyone is in the area, this is in Saginaw, Michigan on Gresham road. Cool. I got a sleeping puppy next to me. Wow. <laughs> nope. Dogs don't purr. <laughs> I'm not a dog either. I'm so upset at this fact that I'm not a dog. Anyway. Good try, though. Good try. A for effort. Cut. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't accept this. Cut. Back to dog status. Anyway, nothing like a dog. Oh, I should probably mention my name. I don't know what. Your M- DJ yeah. name? No, I'm not a DJ. Definitely not a DJ. Oh, she got all brother. technical. No, my brother's the DJ. Also, my boss, by the way. My so okay. So some of you know my brother just recently moved back from, from Vegas Nevada. to right. open this club, mm-hmm. um, and and then asked me to be one of the MCs, and I am MC Mad Catter. <laughs> that explains your outfit, which is maybe yes. flashing on the screen if I'm feeling up to it. But it's really good. It's so much fun to watch you get dressed up for this. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I'm hoping to take some more videos and actually post some performances and like stuff that we do because it's it's a it's a lot of fun. When people hear karaoke, they're like, ugh, they roll their ugh, eyes and they think of their drunk that uncle guy. Up on stage. Yeah, yeah. It is not like that at all. I mean, we have costumes that people dress up in. We have props to play with. It's an insane amount of fun. So 
What an investment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is the other one in Vegas? Is that what it is? The Vegas yes. one and the Saginaw one, essentially? Correct. The one okay. in Vegas is just cats me out. It's just the club. There's no restaurant attached, nothing like that. So when people go there, it's for that. So this is a little bit different. Not all of the cats me out. And there's um there's one in the the very first one uh, opened in New Orleans uh over thirty years ago. So Cats Me Out oh. has been around for a while. There's one in Alabama, Tennessee. It's spreading all over the U.S. And they're planning on opening more, too. So Okay. And your brother is just in charge of those two, the essentially. The Saginaw location. Just the Saginaw oh, location. Oh, just the Saginaw location. Okay. Okay. Yep. That's cool. I'm glad I asked yeah. because that sounds so like so much fun. So look up it your ne- your local Cats Meow and feel like you're yeah. next to Rachel because they oh, do this cats sort of the same karaoke thing. karaoke club. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this episode. The first thing I want to talk about is actually first impressions, which we kind of shy away from in the last couple, several episodes, because we we more focused on writ large, anthology series, whatever. But I kind of want to get into this one in terms of overall impressions, because I'm just going to say mine out loud first, and then maybe you can let me know what you think, because my first watch, I finished watching it, and I'm like, what did I just watch? Not that I was upset, (laughs) but... But more along the lines of like, I felt like, I don't know, not disappointed, like bummed out at the end of my watch. I was kind of bummed out. That seems fair. And bordering on what did I just watch? Like in a kind of like a critical way, but like more bummed out. Like what? The last two were so positive. (laughs) (laughs) You could argue the last three. Sorry. Uh, I meant the D. I was more referring to the first two episodes and the the D one is more satisfying, right? Because it's it's, it's alpha and whatever and this one was just more like okay i didn't get any i didn't get any positivity out of it. i didn't, didn't feel very satisfied I feel bummed out I, you know but then like on second watch i'm like kind of like okay i think i understand what they're doing here i kind of understand the themes but what what did you guys feel at the end of your first watch let's say because i want to focus on first impressions i'd rather talk about my impressions after my second watch because the first time i watched it i was pretty tired so i wasn't really able to focus so i didn't okay. It ended and I'm like, oh, thank God I can go to sleep now. So <laughs> that's kind of where my Whoa. brain was. But the second time I watched it, again, I have to repeat myself. I do have a really hard time with these anthology style episodes because I have a hard time connecting with the characters in one single episode. But I liked it. I thought it had a nice flow to it. You know, you felt kind of a switch halfway through. Again, I'm bummed thinking that we're not going to see this character again. So honestly, I, I end all of these episodes going. <sighs> so I've heard some theories about like the, the changing of the order of the episodes the last minute, kind of some stuff like that. And I felt like maybe they got a little too worried that they were going too far out there with some of these episodes. They advertised this as a documentary and it wasn't. And that's what I wanted it to be. Those were the best parts of it. In my opinion, were the, the voiceovers with like, you know, the, I mean, it's like stock footage, but like, it was really interesting, (laughs) I thought, and I really enjoyed it. I wish that it had stuck to its guns and been like that. Was it because it was refreshing in in that way? I just thought it was cool. It was just a really cool idea. It was just, it was different. And we don't see anything like that in such a dark area of media. So I thought it would be kind of cool, like almost a lighthearted look at it, or at least you're far enough away from it that it feels lighthearted. I just thought it was really interesting. And some of the scientific aspects of this episode were very interesting. So I kind of wish that it locked in more on some of that. But I liked it overall. Boom! I loved this episode. I liked that it got philosophical on us. 
and ask us a bunch of different questions about how we how we think about things because I think a lot about the animal versus man question about nature versus man. I think about that a lot and what side am I on? And to be honest, I'm pretty much on the side of nature. Like if if something Boo! was to wipe out humanity and let let the animals proliferate and nature come back, I'm I'm kind of okay with that in the abstract. You guys <laughs> know me. Like it I'm all human practice, human but... supremacy, so whatever. All right, Bridget, I'm with you. I like the documentary part too. I, when it opened up, I was like, what is this? Like, I was like, is this a commercial for the Commonwealth or something when it first started? <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Bridget, you said something about, about episode movement and i actually like the way that they have laid this out because we get the first episode which is kind of fluff it's funny it's cute it, it's terry crew so it's popular then we get the the mind bender the mind fucker episode then we get a walking dead related episode and now we have this deep philosophical episode it's like and, and there i love the pacing of it how each one is just a little of bit the shows. different of the show yeah right, right. i i want to clarify i'm not upset about the order now i just know that it was changed and i think mm-hmm. that was probably to appease the audience right because uh, the theory is that episode two would have been episode one because the title card would have been like in order i see what you're saying interesting but that's yeah. the theory online but, and i could see why the d one would be last because that's like the blowout you know right but no i i that's so smart that they changed it up at the last second though I think it just lends itself to that idea that they could have gone further with this. And I think out of fear that the fans would reject it, they didn't. Now, <laughs> from vocalization of fans, a lot of people are rejecting it. So was their concern warranted? Maybe. not, But not enough people, I, lo- I think, are rejecting it. I love it. it. Mm-hmm. I love it. But P- you know how it is. Like the There's like a tiny amount of people online who are the Vocal. loudest. But those are yeah. the non-philosophical ones. Not the make deep ones. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So I've been striking a little bit of gold in the Tales of the Walking Dead Facebook group. There might be many, but the one that I'm in right now. And after every episode, when it publicly airs, I lend my thoughts on some of the summaries that we kind of talk about on the show, like some of the main key points. And it's been getting a lot of reception. I did this because, just like you, Bridget, I noticed that there were a sizable amount of people in that group going stupid and not even saying why i don't like and then uh, i just started getting really upset that not enough thoughtful people are lending their value-added positivity like oh why is this show good even if you have criticisms why is this show good and so i decided and it's been really working out to the point where like the first one that i posted was like reshared in other groups that i I don't know maybe i'll join them maybe i won't but because you know me i just mental bandwidth is just stretched but I thought that was pretty cool. So there are people that like it and like it to the point where they'll be like, yes, please more this and share it to other sites, these thoughts, because yeah. And I mentioned Squawking Dead and we have no new followers, but that's fine. Yeah. Care. Good on you. Cause I saw you out there trying to con- like be convincing to other people. Whereas I'm like, Psh, they're idiots. And then I just don't say anything, which is probably <laughs> what the bulk of people are doing, which is like not helpful. Mm-hmm. No. And and now that like more and more people are on the, I know it sounds like stupid, but like now that more and more people are on the internet, it, it's literally the same uh, criticisms or the same style of criticisms that people gave when Fear of the Walking Dead first aired. It's mm-hmm. the, it's not The Walking Dead. That's it. And not only that, like I kind of went out on a limb. Somebody had posted something to the effect of what would you like to see? Not necessarily on Tales of the Walking Dead, but what would you like to see uh, the AMC produce in the universe next and this one dude 
in the same context, in the same breath, was saying, oh, I'd like to see the governor's origin story and Shane's origin story and Abraham's origin story. And then I just said in the comments, I said, no, no, I don't want to see all these origin stories. Do you know why? All these people are 10 plus years older. One. Two. Then if you're not going to use the same actors, you're going to have to hire like people, de-aged actors and people you don't understand what you're asking. The context of the questions that you're asking for the same thing that you were watching before, which means you're going to have to get over the fact that this is not the same actor, but they're pretending to be the character. And so your mind has to like reach that hurdle where you can accept that. And you're already asking for the same old thing, so you're not going to like it I feel, automatically. I feel like for um, most of those characters, we got enough backstory in the main show anyway. Like, yeah, why do we have to have these did. minute character study backstories? I'm like, Negan, okay, Negan was enough. We got a Negan backstory. We don't need everybody's fucking backstory. Abraham was yeah. in the military, and he had a wife and kids. Okay, there's his backstory. Boom. 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 And you were lucky enough I to mean, even get Glenn, that. Glenn, Glenn was a pizza I delivery boy. I would be mad if I saw Glenn Boom. again. Ugh, with but you. Like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> isn't, the point of, isn't the point of all of this that like your backstory doesn't matter? That was my third point. And I said the main reason why, what drew me to The Walking Dead, period. It, it's a gateway. It was the fact that they didn't do pre-apocalypse flashbacks. And no, Michonne's is not a pre-apocalypse flashback. It's a hallucination. So it doesn't count. So, so aside, and I even mentioned, aside from here's Negan, blah, 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 blah. I said, no pre-apocalypse flashbacks. And, th- and that that's what struck There's me one. the most. Which one? When Rick is shot and they go to tell Lori, Shane goes to tell Lori and Carl at the school. Mm-hmm. That is pre-apocalypse. <sighs> but that was season two, right? I think it was season that two. Was season, the end of season one, I thought. If it was season one, I don't count it. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, it's season, Rick- it's Darabont. No. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to have seen more of Dee, but I want to see her from when she meets Hera. Boom. Going forward. I don't need to see that she was messed up since she was nine years old. I want to see how she evolves until our group encounters her group, you know, when Eugene and Rosita oh, are Rosita? in the ditch mm. hearing them whisper. You know, that cut it off right there. That's good. Okay. But I like this episode. It was like Wild Kingdom Apocalypse version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And you had mentioned something about the beauty of nature, I think it was, in your take of when you thought you weren't going to make it. Well, and it was just it was such a great reflection of hu- humans and nature, the the alignment and now how the walkers, the chompers. And I can't ever remember something Mortimus, <laughs> Mortimus, Mortimus, they are the apex predator. Yeah, really. Yeah. And I loved how like you said, like a documentary kind of thing where he talks about these animals that were on the verge of extinction have come back, like the bird that she saw. Was it called the Vict- the Queen? Crown Victoria. Crown Victoria. Victoria. Yeah. Crown. Like Victoria's Crown. Victorian pigeon. Crown. That's what it's, yeah. Victoria, but it was, yeah, I, I really, I really liked that aspect. I liked it on the first watch and, and I, you know, was able to pick up things on the second watch that i had but i mean i i enjoyed it there's a couple of those episodes that i'm like crap i wish it had gone on two hours or three hours you know and this is one of those right i'm glad you said that too because as sweet as you are lisa that you are like a walking dead person you are more or less i love the walking dead and i might reject things that don't really reflect that i like that you you took to this episode too yeah i mean um, i did uh, you know but then again i'm think about things 
Who mm-hmm. else is going to come up with Abraham and Isaac in re- comparative <laughs> to the D episode, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, the sacrificing of Isaac on the Temple Mount. But, but you know, I, I like to think about things because even though this is a television show, when I think about how fucked up our world is and all of the chemicals that are out there, we don't know what could happen. If the CDC, which they do, they probably, you know, it's still there, how to survive a zombie apocalypse off the CDC.gov. Which is there, yep. It's not so much about the dead walking. It's about human survival and how we go forward, whether it's a zombie apocalypse or a nuclear apocalypse. But on the heels of what you said earlier about, I kind of wish we saw a continuation. I think Bridget and Elisa said that. In an enter- Entertainment Weekly interview after the D episode, Channing Powell was with somebody talking about one specific thing, obviously, at the end, which was she said something to the effect of, I have plans. I have a roadmap. Should we get a second season of possibly where D goes next, essentially? And which is funny because, yeah, when Sam did the Instagram takeover, that was a question I asked her was, how would you like to see D's? an alpha story told if you get more question or more episodes. And she said, I would leave it in the hands of Channing Powell. And that was the only question that they pinned to their Instagram deal. And I was like, Woo-hoo. but so I was kind of <laughs> like, hmm, I wonder if we are going to get more episodes. <laughs> exactly. So that's, that's the thing. If they're willing to go further with D, which in my opinion of all the episodes that we've watched so far, I actually want, don't want to see as much as the others. And I think that's a consensus. Well, I th- for the most part, I think that's the consensus because we've seen Dee in The Walking Dead. We've seen now we've got a little bit fuller backstory to her character. But of all the, of all of them, I actually want to see that least. And so if that's the case for Dee, it's quite possible that there may be a continuation of these stories that we've already seen. The rest of the stories, Blair Gina, Joe Evie, and even Dr. Everett in season two or further down the line so how are they going to continue the gina and blair like they move it on to the next boss or something yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly they get to the next level they level up they they move down they get they made it they made it to the highway now they have to get to you know from the highway to the next city right that was a mind trip episode like you need to watch that on acid But they keep, but every time they die, they keep, they start over right there on top of that overpass. Right, oh, right. come on. And yeah, that's the next save there. point. That yeah. was the next <laughs> save point. <laughs> that was the save right, point. Right, that's the checkpoint, yeah. right. <laughs> I hope they don't do that because I kind of like the individual stories. I don't really need to see where they go from there. I feel like that's the story they're telling and let's move on and see somebody else's. You know what? These are kind of like Al's stories, right? Yeah, Al exactly. didn't go back and revisit anybody and see how they were doing. You know, she was like, okay, I'll move on to the next person. I run across you later that's fine to be fair i think they all died <laughs> that's a great point though sharon yeah they're like al's tapes yeah oh okay althea right i didn't althea. know exactly what you're saying althea right from fear of the walking dead who knows no they're in the caverns with everybody I else mean, a lot of her notes. we don't know <laughs> right a lot of a lot of names in her notebook said dead next to them dead missing but it still holds those she didn't go back looking for anybody again you know, right. she never went back. Oh, let me go see if I can find this. Except in the context of them trying to help people, but it wasn't her on her own. Yeah. Right. Maybe right. they all I got don't... on a beer balloon and flew away. <laughs> 99. Maybe. Beer bottle balloons. They're just everywhere. They're like so balloon. accessible. Everywhere. That can't always be the answer, Sharon D. <laughs> I mean, I mean, sorry, Bridget. Fuck. <laughs> Did it again. 99 beer balloons floating in the zombie war. 
Salisa's <laughs> <laughs> next poem. <laughs> yes. Any of you see Dr. Everett in the same vein as Herschel? In the fact that he, he didn't think they were still alive necessarily. He thought of them as a different species. Whereas oh, a different I, state, see, I alive. see what you're like, saying. But like, saying. in the same time, they were both against kill, killing them. Yeah, I think hmm. definitely Herschel yeah, was she of was, the mindset of maybe I can cure them. Well, yeah, Dr. Everett just kind of wanted to study them. It was it was strange when he started talking about the behaviors he noticed. How what did he call the the sunflower? Sunflower like, who had a herd, auditory herd things herd. first, right? Yeah, and then Subject Twenty One who was a protector. Whoever yeah. I thought that whoever was kind of cool. Thought about them having different senses and po- not powers, but powers of the senses i guess you could say like is there one that can smell blood better than others or and does it have anything to do with the type of human they were well just kind of like kind of like one of our observations on blair gina like when it came to the nail polish is it chipped off nail polish that 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 uh gina was was on her fingers after she was bitten slash walker or was Mm -hmm. it blood or when blair's first reanimation or respawn happened was it her smoking a cigarette or was it her post-explosion so just like that, I can easily explain away some of the things that Dr. Everett was explaining. Okay, maybe the walker couldn't hear because there's too much muck in their ear ducts, right? It, it, it could just be that. Or the protector thing was at, just as Amy said, was, oh, maybe he heard another prey up ahead. So as, it, as you kind of watch the episode, you realize that he's not as scientific as he claims to be. It completely falls apart at the end when he actually, even when he loses Specimen 21... He still wants to go after it. So it's not about the science anymore. Well, it could be if we are 35 years forward. Remember, there were those variants. And we get a sneak of some kind of a variant in this preview for 11C. Climbing and things like that. So what's to say that they could not, like Charity said, they could not have retained aspects of themselves as a trait like oh i do hear better and what is that you know maybe she was one of those adhd people so she hears squirrel and she's off you know this way or you know or that kind of i'm gonna kill this i'm gonna leave it there's something else ahead for me was she the walker he said he was watching for seven years no that was the one that that was laying on the ground that Mm -hmm. was taped off he was just kind of watching her he was watching her disintegrate Yeah, he was mm-hmm. the one that's just watching oh, her disintegrate. Okay. All, right. All right, never mind. I was going to say, because if it was Sunflower he was watching for seven years, I would be more inclined to believe that it was scientific because he would have had seven years of data to say, yes, she does hear things before anyone else in the herd or whatever. But I guess Well, how long has he been watching Mosley? Specimen 21. Mosley was a little bit more recent, too. Like he kind of yeah. stumbled in to the situation. What if Alicia is right and they do keep a little bit of their consciousness so fear the walking dead alicia yeah alicia i mean what Clark. if what if that what if <laughs> senator what if this crazy is showing, alicia what if this is showing the remnant of consciousness like 21 protecting the, the herd i mean maybe see maybe i'm putting my the, i'm putting my I science boots on i'm putting my maybe science boots on new, and maybe that's part of the new variant is that it allows them to retain part of it you know if you go back to what those night of the living deads there's one that gets kind of squirrely. Maybe it's the day of the living dead where they remember doing things that they did. Like, you know, the one was doing gas and one was mowing. And you I know, believe land that's of the dead, land right? of the dead. Land yeah. of the dead. Okay. Well, they kind of evolved. Did anybody watch Daybreak? Yes, <laughs> I did. Yes, it was great. I loved it. It, it took from that, yeah. 
I loved it. It was, it's a little hard to watch um, a little bit because we're older. Know, it's, it's so it's like super campy. Yeah. Oh, I loved yeah. it. I thought it was so funny. Um, I definitely want to lean more towards what Sharon's saying about maybe Alicia was right. And the reason I say this is because, in my opinion, I don't know if anybody agrees, I, we got a, a really big Alicia reminder this episode, too. We're reminded of Alicia and what Alicia said and what she believes about these walkers, too, with Amy's missing arm in this PVC pipe that looks like broken bone, which then, of course, makes your mind go to what she said about do they retain a little piece of their humanity, which maybe that's what Dr. Everett's kind of leaning into. So maybe the show really is trying to make us think this. Well, and, and if, I feel like all those pieces. are. And there. if that's true, it could be a nod back to Frank Darabont. Oh, because meaning yeah. meaning the fast walkers going back to season. This is something that I believe as well. By the way, if that's the case, going back to the beginning of season one, teddy bear girl recognizes that's a teddy bear and reaches down and picks it up. Morgan's wife knows that's his house and goes back and tries to get it. Maybe they're trying to do a callback to how Frank Darabon wanted the walkers to do had to, to have that re- retaining of some consciousness. And the running and the climbing. If they start picking up rocks and hitting windows. Right. I'm like, done. Like in season um, one, right? <laughs> okay, I have two two things to say. First, has any of you watched Carl Sagan's Flatland about how we perceive dimensions? Creatures existing in the second dimension wouldn't be able to see a creature in the third dimension because they can't see three dimensionally. He parlays that into aliens. Why sometimes we can't see life from other planets because our brains aren't developed to see it. Okay, and Star Trek: so, The Next Generation the did an of- episode on that. By the way, okay. In the term, I'm I'm getting real deep scientific here. In the terms of the consciousness, what if they have a consciousness of a sort, but we can't recognize it because it's not something that we can see and understand? Okay, okay. I can I can dig that. And not only that, the um, Emily Dickinson poem actually refers directly to what you're saying because mm-hmm. the whole point of the Emily Dickinson Dickinson poem is is basically laying out which he recants at the end, Doctor Everett. The beauty of nature is that humans will never fully grasp it ever. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, even me, I can't fully grasp the beauty of nature and why it's so beautiful. And she kind of alludes to what it could be. She throws the ingredients out there. Nature is what we see, the hill, the afternoon, the squirrel, eclipse, the bumblebee. Nature is heaven. Nature is what we hear. The bobolink, which is a bird, the sea, the cricket. Nay, nature is harmony. I think <laughs> nature is what we know, I think, yet have no art to say so impotent our wisdom is to her simplicity like it's it's simple and yet it, even then we can't grasp it so yeah, i think you're onto something sharon d you may be onto something the, the other thing i wanted to say is we only <clears throat> saw one brain regenerate in the entire show jenner's wife that's the only Wait, one we oh, ever see nobody's the only ever done, variant yeah the only well i mean i'm saying that's the only brain reawakening that we see that's the only re- reanimation that we see through the lens of a cat scan or whatever is ts19 oh i understand okay so yes we have no idea how other walkers reanimate we have no right. idea if that spark spreads to other areas on a fluke it could be evolutionary just like with people have you know one little evolutionary change changes the entire species it could be that way with the walkers too they could have that little spark that we don't see because we're not running tests on every walker that we find to see what their brain activity is doing Right. And you know what else? It's funny that you even say that because literally when the question comes up, Amy asked the question, you know, aren't both of our species linked in a sense? Like if we die out, they will. And which is why the name Homo Mortuus was was such an interesting name, because it literally translate to literally translates to one who is dead. 
because more to us is different than mortis dead human versus one who is dead so that's why there's two u's if you literally translate it to transliterate it, it says a dead person <laughs> into google translate <laughs> but it's not exactly that it's but there's also a play on that word more to us oh okay it kind of goes the... back to the hamlet there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt in our philosophies so there's more to us than when we just die fucking eliza Eliza, <laughs> so impotent our wisdom is to her simplicity we can't even we can't even grasp Eliza. we can't touch her <laughs> it's so good so before we get too far down the rabbit hole dr mosley is his colleague several of my friends have kind of went they had to rewind it and actually hear the name again and then they kind of took a an awe moment and a pause was that a, a tribute nod to moses mosley I think so. I think so as well. You know, Moses was murdered last oh, year yes. and he was a fan favorite at yeah. all the camp events and one of, you know, Michonne's pets. So I was wondering if you guys felt that as well, that it was a tribute nod. Yeah, it's definitely in my notes. Yeah, and definitely a question we should ask Channing Powell too. when the episode airs. Don't don't do it now. Wait until well, and, Sunday. And Mikey, and Mikey as well. He would know because he's had such a hand in all these. Yeah. I don't know who actually directed this one, though, too. I don't know if it was Mikey, because I didn't do all of them. He did a nice chunk of them, though. Did, like, three out of five, if I'm not mistaken. He's also a producer, too, executive producer. Mm-hmm. But I definitely do think it's it's uh, in tribute to Moses Mosley, too. Since you mentioned Emily Dickinson a few minutes ago with the poem, I did some research on her a little bit, and I just want to point out the similarities between herself and Dr. Everett, and that they're both loners, writing about a world that they're not really a part of. He goes outside and studies, but it's just what they see from their perspective, out their windows, basically. And that's why I was kind of thinking maybe they're placed in Mass. This is placed in Massachusetts because that's where Emily Dickinson was from. Just a wild mm-hmm. stab because they never really it's say where It's not. Actually, they do sort of. Because uh, when Amy is first uh, first leaving, you know, well, not first leaving. Yeah, first leaving the day after when she starts to feel better. She says, can you point me to the Chattahoochee? Because my camp is east of the Chattahoochee, and that is east of the Chattahoochee is where Eliza's from. Uh, wait, you're in Alabama, right? Arkansas. 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 Well, Arkansas. not where Eliza's from. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Eliza's standard time. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's the border. That that river is basically the border between Georgia and uh, and Alabama. So we do we do know actually wherever okay. it is, and it, it's definitely a down, trench. But- but there's still similarities between Emily Dickinson and Dr. Everett, no, absolutely. Which is why I thought it was very poignant that they chose her poem. Yeah, and and how how he chooses to be not among even nature to a certain extent is I am just an observer. I am in a watchtower looking from above and observing behavior, just like Emily Dickinson. Can I rewind all the way to the beginning of the episode and ask one crucial question? Who dug that trench, though? I don't, I don't right? Think it, I don't think it was Doug. I think if it's they had said they were in, in they said it was man made, man made. So who dug that trench? The same people that dug the Erie Canal and the Panama Canal, and yeah, yeah. It's probably like, for like it, with walkers 30, around. Like it's just like, well, I mean, so like, so I mean, I have questions about this too. Like, did they kill all of the walkers on the other side of the trench? Where exactly is this trench? Does it stretch all the way down from Canada? Is it? Does it run north south? Does it run east west? <laughs> which which way does this trench go? And oh no, well, and they they had said how and, how far how long it goes. By the way, on the show they did. Um, so is is are are so are our folks on the east coast and they just left the west coast to the zombies? Or I'm actually wondering if it's like 
did they carve out like a little area? Like, let's say it's like Florida. And that's, no. and that's what the survivors have. And the rest is just dead land. That's what mm. I was wondering. Like, is it like a little area that they carved out? Or is it like a large it, area that was carved out? It would make sense if they carved out the south. Because that's where all the agriculture is. And right now, agriculture is how you survive. You're kind of getting ahead because I think he had mentioned that the trench is 40, well, obviously 40 meters deep, especially if it's only 200 meters wide. I can't imagine it's that long because it eventually has to end somewhere to be that kind of an enclosed area for people to, not people, but for nature to thrive. But Dave says only 200 meters wide. Like that is a huge amount of space. I mean, it's like, it's. I mean, that's 600. I had to Google it. That's a big trench. Yeah, that's 600 feet. Is it six? Is it only 600 feet? 200 meters is 650. It's two, it's two feet. It's two football fields. Yeah. So it's it's not that big. That's this a trench. That's a big that's trench, big. dude. I mean, in the scope of trying to. In the world of trenches, it's not. The world of trenches, it's not that big. Is there <laughs> just, a military installation anywhere close? I mean, could this have been a military. Well, it could have just been a nature preserve, too. Could it one of those natural nature preserves, kind of like a state park, you know, like, oh, this is just for the wildlife. Roosevelt did a, a lot of things in his time and he, he dedicated a lot of uh, he said, like, we need to keep and preserve nature. And so was it Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah. Uh, we need to keep and produce, preserve nature while trying to build industry. And those two can't exist without the other. We humans need to preserve our environment. In Wasn't order to that thrive. dude like historically like a big game hunter? Yes, also. Yes. <laughs> okay. I was like, wait a second. But he respected, he respected the yes. hunt. That's the but, thing. Yes, right. He was a big game hunter, but he wasn't, number one, that was ex- thoroughly acceptable pastime yes. in his yeah. period. In his no, period. I'm aware. Um, I'm aware. He, he didn't do he, it just to do it. He also was instrumental. He was instrumental in setting up the national parks and preserve, because he wanted yeah. to preserve nature for people to hunt it. So yeah, he that's was true against, too. He was against overhunting and, and yes. like, polluting everything like he was really into keeping nature pure and shit but it's because he wanted people to be able to go out and shoot animals yeah he i mean he established yellowstone yeah and and the whole purpose of like game hunting really is just don't start shooting everything in sight you respect your prey you have garbage you take it out you the whole there's a whole like etiquette to it that has eroded over time the skull hunters put me in mind of a particular area of history namely the american west when with the buffalo oh, men this, would mm-hmm. go west and slaughter the buffalo and just take trophies and leave them dead mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. for us we're like oh kill the fucking walkers nobody gives a shit but i can see why Everett was very upset and unlike in the american west where part of the aim by slaughtering the buffalo was to put the indians down because that was their food supply to hinder the indians and stop them and make them unable to keep attacking american in enterprise they were sent out to slaughter the buffalo. So these people, instead of doing that, are just slaughtering the walkers themselves and taking their heads as trophies. Right. This made me think about that. No, no. And that's a great dovetail because the way Dr. Everett sees it, these apex predators are very important part of this environment, particularly because, hey, if not for them being there, the animals wouldn't have grown in population. I mean, the, the animals have adjusted to the walkers, but the well, humans also, still haven't. The walkers keep the animal population balanced, as we see by them eating the horse as we right. pan around. Because if the walkers were there and there were no humans there, there would be overpopulation, which is also a problem. We have yeah. overpopulation problems in the United States with deer. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's not, crazy. It's, it's, the problem becomes they starve to death. They get sick. They encroach on human habitat and cause damage and, and injury. 
So when people go out to hunt deer, yes, it's a horrible, terrible thing, but they're also making sure that the population doesn't get too uh, too overblown. So by having the walkers in this area with the animals, they keep the animal population somewhat down. Although I have a hard time seeing a pack of walkers bring down a giraffe. Like they're not slow. <laughs> it's going to be super <laughs> hard to catch. They're stupid. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. Giraffe are stupid, and I will always say, it's like one of those things I'm going to say on the show every now and again. Giraffes are stupid, as beautiful as they are. They're just dumb, and they're easy prey, okay? <laughs> that's. I mean, we could say the same thing about a horse, too, but we definitely saw them take it down. No, they're a little bit more yeah. intelligent. But they should, uh, but poor buttons are no, surrounded. No, no, I mean, they're fast. Horses are yeah. fast. And when I think about an apex predator, you know, when I worked in Yellowstone, the reintroduction of the wolves back into the park, like Sharon is saying, it balanced the population of Naturally. the elk and the mule deer because the wolves will always pick out the weakest or the sick or the older. And so I can see the walkers doing this in the same sense. That horse may have been older. It may have been sick. And by the way, did you notice the A on its stomach? Yes, I would yeah, get rid we'll of that, to that too. <laughs> Who's to say that that horse didn't have problems? Because, you know, we saw those wild horses that Carol and her group went out to try to wrangle. The four so horsewomen of the apocalypse. I think it goes back to that, that whole balance of nature, that whole apex thing of, you know, the weak, the slow. Well, and the key distinction being, right, is that what was mentioned was that the walkers don't reproduce especially since there was no human population in this trench. So it's like, oh, you get all the trappings of like a natural depopulation without all the explosion human population to hunt all these creatures down. So of course, they're going to grow in numbers. The walkers don't necessarily interfere with nature unless it's in their path. And even then, the animals can get away or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And if they happen to be weak enough, yeah, like the horse probably or... Dr. Everett is studying this walker that is in half laying on the ground. She can't move. She can't ambulate anywhere. She can't feed. So he's basically watching her decompose. How long does it take this walker to die without being able to feed? And he doesn't right. He doesn't interfere, so he's just letting her die a natural death, which is also horrible if you think that they possibly have any touch of consciousness left. But anyway. Doesn't bother me. Why do you think he takes the arm away? I figured to study it, like put it under a microscope or something like that was what I thought. Okay. Maybe. I was thinking... I was I was thinking, like, is she going to try and grab it and, like, eat her own arm? <laughs> like, I don't know. You never know. I don't know. <laughs> Cannibal. <laughs> I mean, it's dead, so it's not like it would... Yeah, do they resort to <laughs> like, want it. Yeah, but do they I, resort I was trying to figure out why he took the arm. I just figured it was to, to do death tests on it or something. Oh, to be clear, Rachel, what you're saying is that the walker ate its own arm, right? And that's why it fell off? Is that what you were saying? No, I'm I'm asking why did Dr. Everett take the arm with him? Like was he worried she'd grab it with the other arm oh. and it, start eating it to prolong her like like she's so starving she's going to eat her own arm? I mean, if so, he would have left it because then that's that's a new thing because as we both know That would have been nature, as, yeah. As we true. both know, unless the the point of the study was to see how long she would survive without food. Then but he doesn't interfere, so I don't. I think he would have left it yeah. there to let her try to eat Fair it enough. if that was the case. Fair enough. Well, and um, and eventually she does expire too. But wait, 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 right. But on the so, on the heels of that, we know we know that the dead don't eat themselves or each other because of season nine. Right. Yeah, I, season nine, episode four or three. No, three. Because of the past twelve years. Right. That's <laughs> well, no, yeah. but, but specifically, when we see that moment where 
uh, that Justin who play who's played by I forget his name from the the one not the one hundred well from yes. from the from the one hundred but also it, Agents of yeah. Shield he was from the one hundred yeah Justin actually when you see him reanimate after they killed him they were feeding on him and then they just suddenly stopped and got oh, up because because uh, yeah. it was at the point well no he died oh, well because he turned yeah. he turned I'm sorry I yeah, meant exactly. he turned not it, it's just I like dead, to remind people of this yeah. wonderful moment in, in Walking Dead history because it's just so cool to watch them stop and then get up like nothing happened and move on and then he gets interesting yeah part of his study as we were saying walkers don't procreate they don't create more baby walkers and eventually even if they're feeding on wild animals not every walker is feeding regularly you have to assume that they're dying off they get hurt or they're not fast enough to catch prey and they can't ever they can't ever get feet or how many did we see that were like grown into trees and shit in in world beyond right this is even later than that. So right. eventually the the walker population will eventually end. At least in period. this trench. At least in the, in this area. So maybe that's part of the study too, is him studying how long it will take for all of the walkers to die off naturally. And, and then they can apply that in the rest of the world. I yeah. wonder if there ever would be a point where, for that very reason, Sharon D, that they actually would turn on one another. I mean, the Donner family did it. You're saying the walkers? If they have like no viable food source, would they then turn to each other? For as a food source, right. Mm-hmm. I see that's the thing. I mean, that assumes a lot of things. Actually, so your question, not to pivot, because I think we'll never know. And I think I don't think it's going to go in that direction because of what I said about Justin. But like, let's go to the variant question, because that's something that I had thought of. And then we'll move on to like the 35 years later question. But like the variant question was in the back of my mind this entire time. Because if we assume that this is 35 years in the future and variant walkers exist, maybe, maybe, what is the deal? Why aren't they here? Did something happen in the world to make them not really a threat? Did Daryl take care of business up in France at some point? Uh, And then we'll go back to the, what is even the indicator that this is 35 years later? But like, what do do you think? Like, was that in your mind throughout this entire watch? Because we all kind of assumed that this was far in the future? I think there could still be a strain of the variant with them. I think it may just be that they're decomposing, even though they're dead and they're walkers, they still decompose over time. So who's to say that they aren't part of the variant strain? Good point. But we don't see it is the thing, right? And so like I expected, it's kind of like, same thing with Evie and Joe. I thought, oh, we'll see the Primrose Group or the Commonwealth or, or signs of the Civic Republic. But we don't because they're in Ohio. Just I wanted to say that. And then and then we didn't. And then I thought maybe, oh, since it's so far in the future, maybe we'll see a variant because he's been studying them for so long. Or maybe they didn't make it to the trench. Maybe that's a good point. One of the things that popped in my mind was something that Alpha said in her episode was that people are chaos and that you need to learn how to survive on your own. And Everett was doing that quite well. And Amy was so, ooh, come be with our group, come be with our group. And then, you know, what happens? All that group gets moited and bitten. Yeah, it, that's and that's such a good poignant point, because like Bridget said in the beginning of the episode, like how they had maybe switched up the episode order mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that so that, you know, and so D is the third episode instead of the last one. Possibly we don't we don't really know, but probably it's so poignant that that episode, the D episode, people are chaos is right before this one, because you still have that in your mind when you're watching this one. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Dr. Everett thinks the same way. People are chaos. And they're chaos to nature. And they, they introduce a lot of, well, they, they are technically apex predators, you know, with apex predators. And so 
they're disturbing the natural order of things in this podcast or sorry, this pod. <laughs> well, yeah. they are, they're, they're disturbing the natural order of things in this podcast. Don't interfere. Don't interfere. Don't interfere. Yeah, exactly. All right. The 35 year question. Now we were front loaded with this knowledge that this is like 35 years into the future, but nowhere in this episode that I can recall was this made clear. Did you guys get any indication that this was the case? No. No. So we're all it on the wasn't same page. Main, it wasn't made clear at all. <laughs> you were given some information. Obviously, the world is a little bit different. I don't know if we were supposed to gather that there are no walkers outside of this dead zone, but we weren't given an idea of how large the area was. But either way, it sounded like resources are probably pretty slim. You have to think if everybody who's alive is only in like a small area of the United States, let's say in North America, mm-hmm. let's say they've carved out a little corner east of the Chattahoochee and that's (laughs) that's okay how able would you be to not like over harvest the land and stuff like like there's there's no telling how bad it would be and Amy made it seem like it was really rough so much so that they're willing to work with headhunters to get Mm -hmm. into the dead zone to create a new settlement there also another weird thing that we heard from Amy is they had to get the heads for the headhunters. And then we find out from Dr. Everett that they use those for scare propaganda. I mean, one that's like a very scientific way to look at it from like the other side, because he's like obviously very anti people. Human, right? Yeah, but it was just like, what does that even mean? Like, are there no there? So there's no walkers out there? Well, then can we that's 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 the big question, because I, I wasn't 100 percent sure that that was the case, because is the impression that everybody gets while watching this that there's no walk the, the walker threat has been eliminated outside of the dead zone let's say no because i'm not, not think that at all i'm not convinced of that i think mm-hmm. i think the dead are still out there and i mean mm-hmm. did they stop the virus did is it when people die they don't come back because obviously amy did they could have done this massive herding scheme like they did like a an overblown version of what they did in fear of the walking dead right herd all the walkers into a into semis and truck them over to the dead zone and then leave, you know, I mean, obviously they're not going to get all of them, but they could have put over 30, say 25 years, over 25 years, they could have put a very large dent in the walk. Assuming that it's even 35 years in the future. The only indication that that I felt I had as far as a massive time jump was his reiteration about these animals that were extinct or endangered or flourishing. I mean, when she sees the crown bird it's not one she sees several of them fly up so there obviously is a time period where these animals have been able to reproduce repopulate and so that would have taken some time yeah and so maybe the indicator is in how much time he's been out there which you know obviously there's the seven years for the the walker to disintegrate however many times he was with mosley and like you said maybe the species how long the species it takes to 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 grow essentially so maybe we either missed that or it wasn't made clear. Honestly, it could be anywhere after seven to ten years, let's say. And then we can make assumptions then. But I don't I don't think it was enough of an indicator to tell how far in the future they were. Where did we get the 35 years from? Was it announced somewhere? Yeah. Where did that number come well, from? Well, it actually came from the New York Comic Con, right, uh, Bridget? She was like mentioning we have an episode that takes place 35 San, years in the future. San Diego Comic Con. San Diego Comic Con. Thank you. Okay. Okay. It was right, announced so there, but it was that, also like consider that a conf- confirmation. Yeah, I think it was also mentioned maybe on Talking, Talking Dead. Dead. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Anthony Edwards says it. 
Ah, okay. This episode, talk, my episode is 35 years in the future, but I could be misremembering, but I just remember that data being thrown out and being like, what? It does, like, what, yeah, are, it does. what are we even going to see? Here. Yeah, and I am looking here and it says the Walking Dead spinoff series tells of the Walking Dead will have an episode set 35 years into the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, and, and like we weren't really sure 100% of which episode that was and it could be this one. So maybe we're even wrong about that, but I, I don't maybe. know if it is Anthony Edwards that said that, by the way, that's a whole other story. But, you know, I know that Channing Powell said it. I just didn't know which episode she was re- referring to. Yeah, it's the D episode. It'd be just wild kidding. if it wasn't even this episode. No, that'd be, yeah, <laughs> it'd be wild if it wasn't even this episode. And we see some some other episode where, like, there is no more dead and humans are recolonizing everywhere and like we're like oh this is the one they meant and we see dr effort again <laughs> <laughs> yeah essentially i don't know, maybe that's the thing yeah we, we're all assuming that none of these characters are going to appear in future episodes but maybe that would be an interesting twist because we kind of don't expect them to after this many episodes too so now that we have that out of the way that ambiguous possibly completely wrong factoid just like sasha and tyrese (laughs) evie and joe let's move on to something else oh there was one thing that he had mentioned in the beginning right from the opening he's actually talking about the walkers how the this predator will hunt in packs or individually you know just explaining how deadly this apex predator is right but it also points to something that we saw in the walking dead universe about animals in general too how they act differently post-apocalypse we saw references of that to the grackle in fear of the walking dead season four when strand and dory are at the ob station like when they're behind the flooded canal essentially funny you should mention that particular episode right now because i believe that the alligator eating number 21 was a direct (laughs) callback to that episode because that was how they tried to change that was how they tried to cross the The flooded river was was by getting the alligator to eat walkers that came into the water so yeah. I think that was a direct, another little fear, direct callback that they stuck in there for us fear fans. That's kind of what I wanted to bring up because the grackle would usually be in groups grackling, essentially. This is the, the bird that would wake up John Dory in the morning. He's like, fuck this bird. They're mean. <laughs> and actually in the, in the subtitles, it says squawking, which I love the best because it was like, okay, anyway, this is back in OG squawking D Carol G days. So in S9, in the beginning of S9, they're using the dead barbarically to be scarecrows in the cornfields or the sorry the whatever fields that the saviors were planting outside the sanctuary and they Mm -hmm. couldn't grow for shit and the crows kept invading they kept trying to swat the crows away and this is just more like aggressive behavior like animals aggressively invading on territory that normally would be dominated by humans and they'd stay away and you'd see the same thing when negan tries to escape the first time yet the the pack of domestic canines going after him where normally they wouldn't but they're like being brazen and, and trying to attack humans now. They did in season five of Walking Dead too, when the dogs attacked the group on the road, mm-hmm. and they and they rightfully the ate them. And they ate them because <laughs> team people. <laughs> Sorry, I have another fear almost callback. So they were taking the heads, and my immediate thought <laughs> was, I think it's season three of Fear the Walking Dead when they're at the market. Mm-hmm. and okay nick goes with troy into that little bar and then they try that part of the walker brain yeah 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 the, that's yeah, what i thought have, of yeah do they use that as part of their scare propaganda like how many dead heads do you really need or <laughs> are you harvesting a hallucinogen yeah sweet i remember that 
That's cool. That's so a cool I thought reference. of that. I thought of that because it also reminded me of how Strand had to be out there because weren't they like collecting heads at one point mm-hmm. when oh, he was like working the, the fence? Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. But well, walkers in general, I think it was. And then mm-hmm. for probably for the heads. Yeah. <laughs> so Sharon and I were just thinking of the whole Donkey Kong heads thing that the kids were stringing up in uh, season mm-hmm. five with mm-hmm. the bow ball I mean, that was scare propaganda. Yeah, the heads and trees. trees. That was scare propaganda. That's true. Mikey Satchazinus strikes again. Oh, God, the teeth clicking. Oh, that was the best noise. Oh, it was awesome. Rach, yeah. wasn't that episode, and I might be getting Z Nation mixed up in my brain. They had one of the heads in like a, some kind of, a, it almost looked like a margarita machine. It was in like and a pickle like, jar. Like a, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think you're it was, thinking it was the governor. Like kind of bluish water. And then, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like pickled in some way or whatever. And then they, he like yeah. pulls it. It's gross. Here, have a bite. Try a bite. God, they have it in like I don't, no, I don't know if the whole head was in there. It may have just been those things. No, that's what it is. It's, um, they, they have it submerged in hallucinogenic liquid. Kind of like you would do like an infused ras- uh, raspberry vodka or like, oh. uh, those watermelon, uh, vodka tricks. That you put the- Trash can punch. <laughs> it's exactly. A jello shot. Literally. Yeah, a walker shot. <laughs> Here, have anyway. some uh, have some Chateaubriand. Reminding me of that grossness. Okay, so I want to actually jump to just a small, small little detail that I really, really loved. And that was on Dr. Everett's computer is his password. And his password is C15H31N3O13P2. This is essentially the chemical compound of DNA. The building blocks of all life. That's C H N O P is the is the pseudonym. I tried looking it up. I couldn't find anything. It, it was difficult. It was because <laughs> di- it's scientific notation. So or the chemical yeah, compound. I didn't try very hard. <laughs> so the di- dioxy dioxyribonucleic acid DNA. So that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. DNA. Dino DNA. Dino DNA. And now the dinosaurs are coming back, says Di- Dr. Everett. <laughs> like, oh no. Remember Get the humans said, in. It's a little, uh, it's the guy from Jurassic Park. The yeah. little, it's they're the little, like, they're the on the ride, and he's like, slap together, do you got dino, dino DNA. DNA. Ooh, that could be the next, next Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park meets Walking Dead. No, no. Look, no, we already got variants in, in the wind. I have put in a search for... <laughs> sure did I keep saying? I've put a search in for Ted Lasso like three or four times and I've accidentally put TWD Lasso. So I'm like, I think the universe <laughs> is trying to tell me I need to make like a zombie Ted or something. I'm not really sure. No, he's too precious. Oh, I don't want him amazing. to be in there. I don't... TWD Leave Lasso. Ted Lasso alone. Charity's <laughs> mm-hmm. been saying for a while that The Walking Dead's just another Westworld world. That's right. Mm, maybe you're not that far off. So wait, let's... No, wait. don't Dallas it. <laughs> Don't Dallas this whole thing. Just take it back. Let's go back to that whole idea, though, of like, okay, I know, sorry, I brought in a little tidbit before we even close the conversation about what you think is going on beyond the trench. Because are the dead pretty much thinned out, but life still sucks? Bridget, it sounds like you yeah. thought that they were gone. Yeah, she says, I don't know if these are the exact words, but she says something, Amy says something to the effect, it's crazy we gave up so much to the dead. Mm. Like, in terms of, like, space... But that goes deeper too. like how much have they given up because of the dead and they built Trump's fence. They built <laughs> Trump's border. Like the opposite. But like, where's hole, the right? but where is it? Like, I'm so and dizzy. Yeah, and it's a hole. It's that the was opposite. so funny. 
I was not expecting that. Um, <laughs> they and brought also, me back as president, and I built a wall behind where the walkers are all behind. <laughs> Thank you, America. Like, there's no America left to, for him to. Oh my god, that was so spot. That was so spot on. I will make America live again. I am (laughs) make America live again. Maybe the CRM has expanded across the United States, and everybody lives under a dictatorship, martial law dictatorship. So, Major General Trump is that what you think? (laughs) Instead of the MAGA, Um, it's the MAGA group. I'm sorry, that's President Silas Plackett. Oh, God. Why? Oh, Plaskett, you mean. Plaskett, I'm like, who's I mean, Plackett? Who's Plackett? <laughs> Jesus, I was close. President Silas. I have Wouldn't a question, though, in terms of the walkers being like idiot lemmings, because that's what we've seen. Uh-huh. How have they not all walked into the trench? Well, maybe there's like a natural barrier to the trench, too, that prevents them from navigating. I mean, like, in the navigating. stock footage that we show that was clearly of a zoo's trench, it <laughs> looks like they could just walk right in. Well, think of the think of the 40 meter drop into the trench, too. We don't see the actual natural barrier. Think of the end scene of 1016 when they all kind of just jump up. That's basically how high this trench is. Why didn't they just drive all of the fucking walkers into the trench? And burn them up sides. like Daryl did. Why didn't they just fire. lead all of them and drive all of them into the trench? Another another Native American history lesson. That was a tactic that Native Americans used before Against they had Custer, horses. Right? No, before before oh, Native Americans had horses in the plains, they still hunted buffalo. But what they would do was drive them off a cliff, and then they could they would die at the bottom. So why didn't all of the um, humans start <laughs> luring or driving all of the walkers into this huge trench where they would be trapped forever? That's what I'm saying. I mean, Carol yeah. did it with that huge with herd with the herd. I have an easier answer for this because I don't want to. That's that's wanna. the answer. Well, I mean, we've seen this time and time again on The Walking Dead. My it's answer, like, my answer nah. could be like they have to be lured <laughs> off of it. It's because of all the Walker apologists that keep saying that we have to keep them alive and uh, they don't deserve <laughs> to die that way. And <laughs> the Walker apologists. And there's only so many carols to tell the the. Ch- they're usually children. Lives Look matter. at the flowers. <laughs> yeah. Walker lives matter. So Everett, Everett is a uh, is a dentist or a mortuist. <laughs> we need keep, shirts that say that Walker lives matter. Keep the dead alive again. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> we are the walking live. Yeah, I, but the I, the answer is pretty clear. Like when it comes to cooperation in in this kind of like this weird anarchist kind of world, try getting a bunch of people to coordinate on that. Well, sure, because some people understand that if order is restored to the world, then they're fucked. Well, yeah, because they can't live again in, in an ordered society. Well, yeah. This is kind of like what we're going to deal with in The Walking Dead when it comes back, too. If the world finally falls into disarray, I would hate for it to be immediately corrected right after. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, if I was like, yes, it's finally happened. And oh, they loot a bunch of stuff. And then, for like, a, few minutes. a week later, <laughs> a week later, they're like, and everyone has now been detained that was found looting during the. <laughs> The two-hour blackout in which everyone went crazy, like because like makes January six look like a picnic, huh? I'm kidding. It'd be horrible. It'd be horrible. But exactly. But the counterpoint. Counterpoint. Ice cream. No. Yeah, we all (laughs) just just me. We all (laughs) fuck all you. I don't know if it's worth it. But remember what I said during the coverage of that. I say that now. While I got ice cream readily available to me, I'm like, nope. I wouldn't need it. I wouldn't need it. I'd rather have anarchy 
But now I'm like, <laughs> while she eats the ice cream, yeah, like, but maybe no, like, anarchy, please. <laughs> over anarchy over ice cream. That's what I'm saying, guys. Why aren't you with me? <laughs> Silly. Okay, I'm, gonna I'm, make, I'm gonna make that a shirt. Anarchy over ice cream. But I, <laughs> ice cream over oh, anarchy. No. Or anarchy is the sprinkle on top of the ice cream because you want both. That's just maybe. abomination. I don't want to hear That's the thing. I'd want to like, <laughs> I'd want to take their ice cream and then be like, but now I'm out of here. Like now that I got my ice cream, I'm good. I don't want to follow your rules. Yeah. But how long See can you ya. last until the next refill? Right. It's like, oh, I think I want ice cream today, but mm, I voted anarchy. See, be careful with your vote out there. People <laughs> vote often, but vote smartly. <laughs> Make America live again. Yeah. <laughs> but only one vote for election. You said vote. Right. often. So right. Clarify that. <laughs> Mala, One vote make for a, election. Make America live again. <laughs> anyway, so. And all okay. lives matter, including walkers. So, Dr. Everett has a you nosy bitch moment in this episode. As Amy keeps asking about Specimen 21, Mr. We're going to call him Moses Mosley, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Mosley. At the end of this episode, you see him, and I, I mentioned this before, you see him literally defy his own principles because it wasn't about the science. It was about his connection to the prior living Dr. Mosley. What do you think that this was really all about the science or was it more about, and I'll, I'll suggest this and I'll throw it out there. Was it more about the promise he made to, to Dr. Mosley in his name? I think they were more than research buddies. I agree. Ooh. Not the first time uh, Anthony Edwards played a, a gay. Is, is he gay also though in real life? Mm, I don't think so. He, he played a gay know. character before too. There is a broader point to make about all of this, but what do you think this was all about for him? What kept him going? Because this kind of does mirror what Joe goes through. Like, what keeps a guy going for so long? And obviously it was his dog, but in that sort of connection. But he doesn't have a human connection. Oh, he's married to Mayor Winningham, by the way. Wow. Who's that? Sorry? She's an actress. She was, in, um, oh. she was an actress. She was in um, St. Almost Fire. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Oh, he, he was on that, wasn't he? No, no, no. No. I think it was his overall relationship with Dr. Mosley. It was his friend. It was the promise he made to him. It was his only surviving connection to the world before. Or like his world of science. I think it was just it was just that connection. It, I knew him. He was my friend. He was my research partner. And he's my only link to the way things were. There's a good dovetail here to what we were talking about before, jokingly, about how, like, oh, why didn't they just work together and throw throw all the walkers in the trench. And I said, nah. Well, after all his research assistants or research colleagues abandoned him after, just after a short while trying to do this thing, Mosley comes around and says, hey, I believe in what you're doing and stays. He was like the only one who believed in things when the world went to shit. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's like overlapping principles that keep him going rather than a human being. Cause like we keep mentioning that like humans are social animals. This is what keeps us going. We need human contact. He believed in his purpose and maybe overlapping purposes, meaning cause this person as a human, not as just the science meant so much to him. So he has two layers of connection of purpose that kind of keep him going. The science this the underlying, maybe this is it, but the overlying, yeah, but a person believed in the science too and now he wants me to continue the work by observing him then what do you think they're trying to say by him essentially replacing specimen 21 with amy with amy essentially by the end of it is that that's his connection to people like it's his way of being of them but not among them 
that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like he gets to have his cake and eats it too, I think, in the end of the day. Because this episode is such a commentary on how we think we and I've said this in the show before, we think we're logical beings. We're not. We may plan for the future. That's what makes us distinctive among the animal kingdom, is that we do plan for the future to a large extent. We have ideas and 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 thoughts about how our future could be and we plan for them. But we think we're rational beings, but at the end of the day, we're emotional beings. The elephant is in control of this ride, and we are just the passengers on it. And we have a certain amount of control, but we have biases, just like Dr. Everett. I don't think he would have lasted as long had he not met Dr. Mosley. He would have withered out just like Well, he said he like was ready to die. He said he was yeah. ready to die before he ran exactly. back into him. So, and I think he'd yeah, rather die that. than abandon the science, too, right? Right. That's the thing. But he, but the human connection that he had kept him going. So it's this weird look into actually who we are and taking that to an extreme, like, to, oh, what if somebody, a logical being, tried to exist on their own? It's not possible. It's not in our nature to be that way for so long. But he figures out a, a hack. Well, kind of like Joe. Joe mm-hmm. figures out a hack on, on how to survive as long as he did. 401, 410 days or whatever it was, because he had his dog. He had his canine companion i'm just saying all this to just say it's kind of fascinating to see how some people can live as long as they do without a human connection or an imagined human connection let's say doesn't this episode as well as the joe's episode doesn't that hearken to how we all felt at the beginning of the covid pandemic so many of us had no one i live alone i'm single and so when i was in lockdown i was alone me and my dog And it kind of felt like that. You have to have some kind of interaction with humans and people or you kind of go a little bonkers. Right. I mean, we had the luxury of the Internet, too, Mm -hmm. and doing whatever we could as a like a podcast to to kind of keep people together. But Mm -hmm. it's funny that you say that my first instinct when this all started happening, because, of course, your minds are racing at 300 miles a second. And like one of the first things I said was it really got me into thinking, what if the Internet went out? So my first instinct was like, well, well, have I been cultivating my nearby friendships enough to kind of weather this storm, however long it'll be? And like, because we didn't know. We didn't, I mean, people said, oh, two weeks to stop the curve. OK, maybe. maybe. What if, though, not? Because lizard brain, right? And then, yeah, so it's just it, that was my first instinct. And funny enough, like Dr. Everett has no thought about this. He's, he's like, I need to, I don't know. I'm just I'm a scientist. I have purpose, whatever. This is just my little cup. It's just my it's my forte. I keep thinking about Joe in this one, too, because it's kind of a stark contrast. The message with Joe was that Joe needed to be with people to kind of be a part of the world in a way that he wasn't before. And this is why I was so my watch of this episode was so disappointing because, okay, Amy doesn't make it. It's like one of the few people who don't make it by the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. And like up until now, all the people we've been watching on these shows have kind of made it. They have, there's somewhat of a happy ending or satisfying ending. Right. And you know, people, there's a lesson that's learned and people move on and people become the best, the self that they were meant to be. And maybe ever it does, right. Maybe this is what he's meant to be. I mean, for the most part, he's been surviving it using the same, and this is why I'm glad you brought up John Dory or that we brought up John Dory before, because one of the observations that we made about John Dory was that he was in this weird, interesting bubble where he got to sort of be the person he was before during the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, when you when we have his death episode, you kind of notice that like, oh, he was only allowed to be this way because of June, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, while he was in hiding, he met June and Joan allowed him to become a part of this world, but only as long as June was around. But Dr. Everett is already sort of in this bubble called the trench. And so it al- it allows him to be 
who he is or who he was before the apocalypse, you know, a little modified, but he gets to still be who he was. And so what was so upsetting about this to me was that instead of being the person he was meant to be in a, in a sense, he did everything possible to maintain that person at the expense of people, let's say. First of all, was the was the fact that Amy didn't get to survive, was that like upsetting to you? How did you feel about that part? Because she's like our no. emotional side. That didn't really bother me because she didn't listen to the science. He explained specifically <laughs> what was going to happen if she went back. She didn't follow the science? This is what's going to happen. <laughs> she didn't believe in the science and she ended up paying the price for it. Hmm. But was she, wait, but no, but, that's, but was that's she not wrong? why I'm not upset. I mean, I mean, people die in the apocalypse, you know? I liked her ending, even though it's sad. It's sad. I don't like that she died. But I liked her ending because despite being offered an opportunity to do something like study the dead and still live, she chose the community because her community was everything to her. And honestly, as stupid as this is going to sound out loud, I would probably have made the same choice. That's what I was thinking, too. My family is everything to me. If it was a choice between you can hide and not warn your family or you can go, but you may be going to die, probably <laughs> like I'm going to go. I'm going to go Maybe spend my last. Probably I'm going to go spend my last minutes with my family. Hands down. Yeah. I thought maybe because he had warned her or he had told her and he says it's already too late, but you're dumb feelings brain will get in the way and be like okay now that i have the message from the future like you think like when you get time travel like information it, it can potentially change time i don't know i'm going a little too far with the sci-fi shit so like when when he says this you think okay that could be an opportunity for her to say to strategize how can we get out of the situation and so i was very hopeful that like with this information they could make their way out of this knowing that it's coming but it doesn't end up being that way. And and maybe like you say, Sharon, maybe it's like she should have followed the science. And it makes him right, which also upsets me because I'm a human. <laughs> it's the thing that bothers me the most. I know my trappings. I accept my flaws. You know, that's the, that's the thing about being human is that you accept your the fact that you're not you think you're making the logical choice, but you're really confirming certain biases, just like Dr. Everett did in this episode. He had biases he wasn't aware of. He thinks the, this walker can hear more and that one's a protector. And like, come on with your nonsense. I see right by the time I watch it the first time, like I see right through you in the second watch. Like you are just <laughs> confirming biases. You're pretending that there's something. Because if if this isn't special and if they are mundane, if they are the way they are after 35 years, which let's assume that's true, then all of what you're doing is for nothing. We've seen this before, like um, I, not just in the Walking Dead universe, but like when people find out their purpose is for nothing, they unravel. We're like this. We, we don't like being wrong, first of all. <laughs> but when we find out our purpose, we put all our energy into something that just really didn't pan out. We get super upset and 35 years later, this guy would probably want to kill himself. It breaks his reality. If, if that's if that's to be the case. Well, Amy even questions like his study. They live to try to eat us or whatever. Case closed. There you go. That's your study. We already know what they do. Why are you wasting your time doing this? Right. It doesn't change things. Right. Again, 35 years later, he's only found out a couple of facts that none of which blows my mind in the slightest because you want it to be more like I'm listening. I'm I'm li first time around. I'm listening with open ears. I'm like, tell me more, Dr. Everett. Really? What what did you find out about the walkers? And I was impressed that, you know, like midway into the episode, I'm like, oh, yeah, some walkers can hear better. OK, all right. Oh, this one's a protector and he moves on. Maybe I could believe that. And by the end of the episode, you're like, but wait a minute, my science brain comes on. I'm like, no, this is just like that ambiguous shit that, of course, he's speculating on. And 
And if he, of course it has to be right. Of course his theory has to have some legs for him to move on and continue this work. Because if they don't, then Amy's right. But at the end of the episode, this is what's so upsetting to me. At the end of the episode, it turns out that Everett's right anyway. Okay, it allows him to survive. No, but I don't want the logical part to survive. I want the human. This is like me being like a Rick Stan coming in right now. Like, oh, I want the hero to save the people and and finish the day. And no, oh, everybody's alive. Like Glenn. Like, oh, Glenn's alive. Yay. When Walking Everett dead. approaches Amy or the two approach one another, I felt a little bit of a John Dory moment because there was something in the way she looked at him that reminded me of when John looked at June. And again, it kind of goes back to, do they retain some type of level of consciousness? Because there was just that moment of how she looked at Everett that I thought... As a walker, you're saying, right? As a walker. Okay. That I thought... specific. I thought she was trying to ship them. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. No, 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 no. I was thinking, because, you know, when John... When John's crawling out of the water, the way he looks at June and almost how he reaches to touch her, not, As not a walker, grab her, right. right. And then just in that moment when she looks at him as a walker, it's like she knows him. Amy knows him, right? Yeah. That Amy, yeah. the walker knows him. I didn't see that, but like, I like that you saw, at least saw it that way. If not, maybe it was the case. I wasn't, I was more upset. I was like, oh, Amy, no. I mean, you were <laughs> yeah, annoying I mean, a little, but... Should it die? And I think I pay more attention to that now after watching John Dory's death episode. I can go back and I can think about Merle when he stood up and looked at Daryl. There seems to be, I don't know, it just felt like there was a moment of recognition, recognition. or something. Yeah. yeah. I like that. By the way, Merle, best walker by far, in my opinion. <laughs> best main cast reanimation, let's just say. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. think he did his own sounds or something i forget what it was something particular about it do you guys notice that there were a lot of references to birds in this and yeah. that was because amy liked birds Love birds yeah i think that was really down to wild. the dickinson poem too yes that's yeah. that's actually what triggered it was hearing the the bobolink and then i was like what the heck like is another that? mention of a bird like again one of emily dickinson's very very early poems is very famous it's the hope is a thing with feathers mm-hmm. yeah. and yes. i thought about that poem when he was reading the other Emily Dickinson poem, I was thinking about hope as a thing with feathers, which the whole theme of that poem is the power of hope and how little it requires of people. You don't right. have to give anything to to have hope. You don't have to pay to have hope. You don't have to give people stuff to have hope. All of the bird references and then that poem also. Mm-hmm. Wait, before you continue, we were looking for threads between episodes. And that's exactly what either Joe or Sandra writes in the chat. Hope is a thing of feathers. Mm-hmm. Did you know that before you said that? Oh, yeah. Hope is a thing with feathers or feather of feathers or something like that. In terms of like potential mental illness, because we talked about that, there is a clear disassociation happening with Everett. Mm-hmm. And so that led me to kind of believe, oh, OK, like that's where that line goes. And this one is like he's disassociated himself. That thread between humans. episodes. Yeah. 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 So that that to me was was that how, one. How he perceives his duty. Or how he perceives how he people, perceives... maybe. Or sociopathy. Right. I mean, just plain and simple, yeah. right? He's pulling away from society. Is it a choice? Is it just how he is? Well, he makes a comment and when he's first talking about when he goes out there. I can't remember. How did he get out there? Because he makes a comment that he crawled up 
and whom opened the door but his dear friend, Dr. Mosley. He was part of a, a very large research group. Uh, and so from what I gathered, it seemed like it was quite large. Dr. Mosley was one of the first people to leave and go off on his own. So mm-hmm. Dr. Mosley leaves. From there, okay. it sounds like everyone dies. So or disperses or whatever. Yeah, or, right? or leaves each other. But essentially, yeah, I didn't get the feeling that everybody yeah. died. I got the feeling that they all just went their separate ways because some people didn't agree with. They had a falling out over how things were being done. So yeah. some of them just left and went their separate yeah. ways. So yeah. maybe they left and went back to the real world. I don't know. Like maybe they're not even there anymore. I have no idea. But then Dr. Everett spends two years in the dead sector, whatever that is. And he said, I'd given up hope and I, I was near death. I wanted death at this point. But he finds the ranger stand. Obviously, if there is a ranger stand, and it looked like it was pretty well equipped with stuff from pre-apocalypse, clearly they're in a national park of some kind. Right, right. Right? That's, that's where I got my info from yeah. in my brain. Like, clearly they're yeah. in a national park of some kind, but, like, is it just happened to be in the dead sector? I don't know. At minimum, he's there for at least seven years, but we know he's been watching that one walker for seven years, and so we have to figure... He probably started that either at the earliest when he meets back up with Mosley or after Mosley is dead. We don't know. But it's seven plus the two that he was wandering. So that's nine. Plus however long it took before everybody left. Good golly. From the broke up from the group. Right. So we're at least like what? Like at least nine or ten years. You know, that's funny. Now that you're framing it like that, maybe this just goes to show like Everett's level of commitment. Maybe we're looking at this the wrong way. My bias is to tend towards like, okay, what is survival worth if you can't be around people or or thrive or whatever? Like, you know, what's the point? Sneaking in my own bias, right? Because I'm like my own little formula for The Walking Dead. Because what if just Everett has this superpower? People have been known to be for virtuosos and have, you know, distinct personality quirks, which we could attribute to mental mental illness. But maybe it's just this mental grit that maybe he had it, had a, a lapse in that grit but between the promise he made to mosley and the purpose in observing the dead let's say he's kind of in the league of extraordinary people let's say that have this resilience you know we've heard of hermits and and prophets let's say if you want to go that far that have lived out had to live out on their own because they're kind of too crazy to be around but they exist and how do they exist and do are they all crazy no not all of them why don't we regard everett as kind of more on the extraordinary scale rather than on this, oh, this guy's kind of screwy, right? Like, what, what are you doing? Do you do you think he's a CRM soldier? I mean, a CRM scientist? I did not think that, but what makes you think that? Having the equipment, having the know-how, the migration tracking, which is something the CRM was doing, and the thingy around his neck. Maybe it's better to be out there than to be in the CRM. Well, and then now you're assuming the CRM lasts, too. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. That's a good point, Sharon. Yeah, I like that idea. I had thought of it because, Dave, you had idea, said, though. I'll go through my notes and search for Everett because I feel like that was one of the doctors in World Beyond. And so what did I do? But I was looking for Everett in World Beyond. It's not Everett. There was another E name for a different doctor who was a part of one of the research teams for the CRM. Dr. Ellis. Yes. Dr. Ellis. Right. Ellis. And there was one other one. That's like just Abbott. like referenced Abbott. Um, Abbott or so, Abbott? I don't know. Abbott. Abbott. Oh, Dr. Abbott. But yeah, that was the There was the an Walker. E name because no, I specifically looked it up. There's but a it B name Abbott. too. Yeah, <laughs> we mentioned because it was like one of the first references on uh, on the Walking Dead World Beyond. It was it starts with a... It was it was the other doctor that's um, track uh, 
researching researching the migration patterns. Yeah, like Dr. I can't remember. Yeah, the one that's Bannerman or Brennerman or ba- it was like yeah, the Bremen Bonnaroo. I can't remember it. While you're looking, there is a Chattahoochee River National Recreation Area, National Park, and National Forest. So well, there you go. Maybe, yeah, we could assume that maybe that's the area. <laughs> Dr. Babalar. That's what it was. Dr. Babalar. Dr. Okay, Ebersol. What? It's it's <laughs> an E name. I told you guys. I was like, I didn't make up. Who is that, it's though? A former researcher for the Civic Republic. He's in a flashback as his first appearance. He's in World okay. Beyond. In the flashback with uh, Dr. Bennett and... Uh, uh, Natalie yeah, I Gold's think he's character. in. He accompanies Doctor Belshaw, Doctor Bennett, and Belshaw. other researchers as they conduct an experiment in the woods. Right. Yeah. But the the one I was thinking was Bavilar. But yeah. So yeah. that was that was the only e name I could find. Okay. Okay. So. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Chauncey Everett. No, and that's a good call, Sharon. Like just going back to your comment, like okay, I didn't think of that. It could be like, or it could be ex researchers from the Civic Republic, or it could be one of the scientists from the New York one that blew up, that <laughs> the kids blew up, essentially, or made uninhabitable. I mean, uninhabitable. if anybody had the resources to dig a two football wide, fucking forty meter deep trench, it would be the CRM, don't you think? But do you think that the the oh, so that's a good question. Do you think the trench was dug post or pre-apocalypse? And I think it was pre. I would, I would have to think it was pre. It says man-made post-apocalypse. Yeah. In a remote section of the United States, a dead sector was established. The massive man-made trench serves to okay. contain the dead, separating them from the living. But within it dwells one man who strives to understand. Oh, this is the uh, this, this is, is the, the, the tag, right? This yeah. is the synopsis thing. Okay. Okay. I'm down with that. So maybe so they, they did chose, dig a trench. So they chose the American South, which is like some of the best farmland for agriculture in the yeah. country. They choose to give that. So maybe that's what they mean by they gave up so much to the dead because you're giving up prime fucking farmland, which you need to, if you want to have people, you got to have food. So I just find that very strange that they would choose that particular area. That's why I was like, have they settled somewhere east of the Chattahoochee? And then they literally just gave up everything beyond that point. To the day. I think they gave up everything everywhere. Like, that's what it seems like to me, like that the that actually like the world would now be for regular people would be like much smaller. From this description, it says to contain the dead. So I'm, I'm assuming with that 131 foot drop. Yeah, it would just they're hoping whoever comes over from that side, they're going to fall in. They're not going to get out. Right. We we basically are, are back to colonial land area. Back that's to the coast, yeah where, in my head that's kind of what it was the east yeah. coast strip for the first original 13 american colonies massachusetts virginia <laughs> pennsylvania Delaware, uh pennsylvania virginia oh i see we've got everything east of chattahoochee which would be a very thin slice of the american coastline all of the original colonies were back to colonial land holdings Right. right. So you're saying like we've isolated ourselves into like a small patch of or patches of land east of the Chattahoochee, let's say. And I, I'm not I have no illusions that like, do you think that they dug this trench all the way up through the country? Like you're saying 200 meters wide. But like in terms of length, you think that they so that they couldn't go any I further. Mean, maybe east. maybe they dug one until they came to a natural barrier like the Mississippi or something like that. Mm. or one mm, Like another river or, or something. something like that. Mm. That's why it said maybe it was Florida, because I was almost picturing like. Did the trench go up and then like over? Let's say America is here and and Florida is here. That it goes. Florida is a different country. It goes yeah. here, like up and over to the coast. No, you have to hold on. From like Bridget, the Gulf to the words. coast. From the Gulf <laughs> to the coast. Words. From the Gulf of Mexico 
<laughs> to the coastline on the other side. <laughs> the Atlantic so, Ocean. No, no, it's from Austin to Virginia. Because we want that to be the case. That way we keep we keep the cannon areas down down sure. in our in our That sounds great. <laughs> See, you're sneaking advices too, Dr. Everett. Austin uh, to Virginia. It's Trump it's Trump Trench. It's the Trump Trench. That's why it's called the dead zone. Ah, Trump Trench sounds too cheesy, right? Anyway. Well, why don't we go back to the simple like, okay, the fact that he's wearing a coat of uh, skins. How cool after the D episode again, like a nice, a nice little transition from last episode to this one. But she said something to the effect of, do you know what poem she was referring to when she says, uh, you know, I read a poem about how we wear masks. Oh, like that was so vague. That could have been a million poems. Right. But how interesting that that's the thought that yeah. she had. I mean, maybe that's just for us, but like the thought that she had in reference to his skin suit that the whispers were whispers masks and... So I thought that was kind of a cool little... That's what I thought of, Right. Too. I mean, that's what you're supposed to think of, right? Like my butt got sucked up through my esophagus. <laughs> that was my favorite yeah. line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because then he was so scientific about it, and I love that. She's like, yeah, that's why I said, I like my butt. <laughs> like my butt <laughs> got sucked up esophagus. I just thought it was... What good. is Hall ass? <laughs> This is Elton from The Walking Dead World Beyond. That's it's these little things, right? Oh, haul ass. <laughs> oh, okay. So there is one thing, okay, that I wanted to explore with you guys because she says this randomly. And then I'm like, wait, wait, can you, Amy, can you go back to what you just said? She says something to the effect of, are you a mule? And of course, we know that the, what that means. We know that that means a mule is basically somebody who helps people from another country cross into this country right mm, like they, that's, they a that trans- okay. yeah, that's a coyote oh a meal is like a drug meal okay fine mm-hmm. but like what what do you think she was i know this is like not a lot to go on but what do you think she meant by that are you a mule brain to, to dr everett no i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> for the proctor's fair <laughs> he's got the hallucinogenic <laughs> zombie brain on him <laughs> guess the dough's done it's the thing it's a little bit so much <laughs> well do you think she meant do you traffic in dead bodies so that we can get heads i mean i guess maybe it could could be as simple as if this is truly further into the future that we just don't know what that term means or what it's referencing or what happens very often is that a term like what you just did where you said it was like the same thing as coyote could be mis misunderstood as something else and then becomes that word hmm now you're just making excuses for my mis- misuse of the word. <laughs> no, like I definitely called you out on it, but yeah, I'm yeah, just saying. Yeah. I'm saying, oh, just... you're being nice and saying, oh, but maybe that's, no, I'm kidding. No, I have no remorse for what I did. <laughs> maybe that's but... what she meant, <laughs> Dave. Sorry about your feelings about being wrong. <laughs> but I'm just care. saying like maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe in development of language, let's say a bunch of young people survive the apocalypse, right? They're using the language that they know. That's why pe- people wouldn't know what whole ass means. <laughs> like that's why you end up with stuff like one of my favorite lines from world beyond is that hope says that everybody's all torqued up it's not something that we use like as a slang word often it's not I but i like I that she used it and it almost sounded like yeah you could say it. that would be like slang for everybody being like all up in arms about everything for them to be torqued up it's like it's a correct usage of the word in technicality that's but how you've never heard it used before yeah. right well so. in that way you know you hear right. torque and you're thinking about like cars and engines and stuff you have to think that's how language develops is 
people use the words in new ways. So who knows? Right. I see what you're saying. So I looked up Urban Dictionary for mule. Okay. <laughs> and okay. It's also a person alienated from a group or activity. Interesting. Huh. Good point. Because oh, it's then... usually shouted at that person to make them feel worse. Oh. oh. <laughs> Are you, like awkward. like a recluse is, is what you're saying. Like somebody who just ostracizes themselves. Which, I mean, I guess in that world, and isn't Amy and her group doing the same thing? They're opting to go to the dead zone because it's so bad everywhere else, which is supposed to be good, essentially. And there's propagandists with, with walker heads trying to scare people into, you know, setting themselves straight. Like, oh, be good or else the walker heads will get you. Well, apparently, I would, I would think it would be like, you have it so good here. Here's what's right. out there. Try leaving. Right. See what happens. Right. We did such good work bringing back what we could of civilization they're the mules i mean they're the ones opting for the dead zone this like libertarian dream of like oh no laws for me let's just make a new society sounds great on the heels of that and this uh, this is something i did want to bring up because when dr everett discovers amy in her camp and all those people are dead and he tags the dude the driver in the car and he sees amy one of the things he sees before he tags the, the driver with the uh tracking tag whatever is the there's a box full of heads and that got me to thinking when he saw that he was like fuck it he was just like kind of like upset like he usually is when he sees walker heads right he's like oh this is mm, a disgrace what do you think was going through his mind because she was saying this whole time oh no we're good people no we just use them to, to give to the propagandists for to the skull hunters and like no it's not about that but was maybe her group skull hunters Let's go have another Native American lesson here. <laughs> I love this. Sharon D. During the Indian Wars from roughly 1600s until the wars ended in the late 1800s, both governments, British and American, would offer bounties for the scalps of Indians. And they did that so that they could clear the Native Americans out of the lands that they wanted. And maybe that's what they're doing here. They're getting paid bounties to collect all the skulls of the dead because they want to move the dead out so they can move the living back in. Hmm. So you're saying Amy and her group are skull hunters, essentially. Yeah, they would have been yeah. scalp hunters back in the Indian Wars. They would have been killing Indians and taking their scalps and selling them to the British government or the American government for reward. Let's take that a little further, if that's the case. So was Amy and her group's mission to drive the dead out of the dead zone so that they could settle it. So that the writ large world could settle right. it, let's say. Maybe she was just telling little white lies that had the basis of truth. Yeah, we're here to just resettle the dead zone, not to let everybody else resettle. And she obviously knew he was angry about the skull hunters. So, of course, she's not going to tell him that she's one of them. That's she had a skull in her hand at the very first time we see her. Exactly. She's running away. She's got a head in her hand. That's right. I, I did note that, too. And that's, that's kind of like why I wanted to go back to that, because it seems like... You think that throughout this episode that maybe Everett and she could work together at some point. And there is evidence to the contrary, but you, as is usual in the Walking Dead universe, stranger things have happened. You know, people decide to drop their original mission statement to form a family, let's say, or form a bond with somebody else like Morgan and John or uh, Rick and Morgan. Let's keep going with Morgan. Like, uh, anyway, whatever. Like, no, like Michonne and, and Carl and how Rick and Michonne got together and had a tragedy and so like you think that that's the way this is going to go but when you watch this episode again it was never going to go that way she was there to do something and he has a mission too and they cross they don't mesh at all and it makes dr everett right completely right it's like oh 
This belongs to the dead, and it will still belong to the dead. I tried to warn you. I know, and I think he believes her. I think he believes that, oh, maybe that maybe they are a, a community that wants to settle this land. Maybe she's on the up and up, but when he sees the skulls in the back, he's like, oh, she was never going to come with me on this scientific journey, or she was never going to want me to be part of this larger community. She was always going to give this community up, this, this dead zone up to the world at large. She was wearing a mask, right? Mm-hmm. Just like Maybe the poem she, she read. The poem, which I think I just found, by the way. Oh, really? Okay. Is it a Dickinson poem? It is not. I did a search for Emily Dickinson poem about a mask, and this came up several times in the same genre, but it is not Emily Dickinson. It was written by an African-American man in the mid-1860s, and it says, We wear the mask that grins and lies. It hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. This debt we pay to human guile... With torn and bleeding hearts we smile and mouth with myriad subtleties. I've heard this one before. Why should the world be overwise and counting all our tears and sighs? Nay, let them only see us while we wear the mask. We smile, but O oh great Christ, our cries to thee from tortured souls arise. We sing, but O oh, the clay is vile beneath our feet and long the mile. But let the world dream otherwise, we wear the mask. We need to show the world this facade for it to survive, essentially. Is that is that the gist of the poem? As an African-American man, I'm sure he's like, we have to put on these smiles. We have to pretend like everything's okay. Otherwise, mm. people don't care anyway. So we're, we have to put it on. Otherwise, we we die, basically. Right. It's a, it upsets so, the natural order, quote unquote. Right. So what, I guess she is saying, hey, I have to wear this mask because if I don't, you're going to let me die. Right. You're going to let me die. My, my family won't survive. And this is just the way it is. This is the way it is everywhere except here. Let's say, and we want Just to bring to that here. Just make it easier on Aiden. That's by Paul Lawrence Dunbar, eighteen seventy-two to nineteen oh six. So you find your own link, Aiden, and link it, <laughs> link the poem. And that follows back to the whisperers and and the mask that they wear. But the mask that they wear, at least Alpha wears, allows her, like Bridge said last week, to become who she was truly meant to be. Whereas most masks hide who you truly are. Right. And, and as the case is with this episode, the mask really does hide who Amy truly is. And mm-hmm. well, and Everett too. The, the science is really his mask to hide his true nature. And without it, they can't survive, either of them. And so they were always going to be on a collision course. They were never going to join forces. I think that's fascinating. It helps me understand, like not be as upset with how this episode ends. Well, you know, and how, how this episode shapes out. Wasn't there a part of you that was like, maybe it's the part of me who had to watch Fern Gully every single time we had a substitute when I was a kid, but... <laughs> wow. But, <laughs> it makes you hate it at the end of it, but... No, 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 I love that movie, but I've watched it so many times in my life. There was a part of me that when Dr. Everett's going on about how the animals from the zoo, might I add, which I loved, because that was almost like right. kind of a nod to like Shiva... It reminded me of that. When he's talking about that, I almost got this feeling in the pit of my stomach like, oh, I don't want them to come in and settle this land. They're going to ruin everything because that's what people do. That's why I'm team animal. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because I'm a person who honestly would have chosen Amy's path in this. I would have lied to save myself and and I would have done anything to protect my family. And honestly, if I were out there in the zombie apocalypse, you bet your ass I would come in and ruin 
ruin the lives of a bunch of animals if it meant that me and my family could live. And and you would lie to do it. You bet too. your ass I would. <laughs> but yeah. from an outside perspective, which you're given this outside perspective, much like you are in a documentary, right? You're on the outside looking in. I feel so horrible. It made me feel like sick to my stomach. I didn't want them to come in and ruin it. I mean, I was like so proud of those animals. I was like, you go and you're staying away from the walkers. Go, just go live and be free. One of the things Dr. Everett says is that the animals have grown by 10, 5 to 10%. Mm -hmm. The population, right. I'm wondering if that is a nod to the fallout from fear carrying over the years because uh, fallout radiation creates mutations and a lot of times oh. those mutations lead to bigger sized animals like a godzilla just a stupid <laughs> example but still it's the same principle i thought so he was just talking about population is... but you mean like physical no, size well, I thought he, he, he was referring animals. to like physical size okay yeah sure that's yeah. what i thought yeah. so maybe i'll that's, go with that um, i don't care a little <laughs> nod to fear also from the ra- the fallout blowing east and irradiating the lands and stuff that makes the animals grow i see but they would be in the trench so they'd be protected <laughs> maybe <laughs> but and then again that was also let's assume again this is 35 years in the future the fallout would have less of an effect let's say maybe well, what i'm saying is the fallout going east and being part of the water and the landscape now they're eating oh i see and drinking that regardless i see what you're saying Right, they, right. It's, it's and, already I mean, it in the environment. It doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it does take generations for it to happen. <gasps> and but. Dr. Mosley got cancer. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Well, from hey, eating like the vegetation that. and drinking the water in that area, you would well, have now you're to. making a lot of assumptions. <laughs> no, yeah, I get, I get it. I, I, I like what you're saying. If we the see woman. King Kong come swinging through the trees, we know we've got some serious mutations. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> you nosy bitch. That's what season two is going to be. It's going to be Godzilla right. versus Kong in the trench. <laughs> I th- yeah. and, that's, and that's when the Walking Dead jumps the little <laughs> literal shark, essentially. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Megadon will, Megadon will be in there, too. We got to have the shark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, actually, speaking of that, so he mentions the Holocene, which is basically the epoch that we're living in now. It's the last 11,700 years of Earth's history, which is the time since, since the last major glacial epoch. I thought that was kind of interesting to say because he's almost implying that we're maybe even moving into the next epoch, let's say. If this keeps up, this could spurn a whole new epoch based on the fact that nature is correcting itself, just like it did in the last glacial epoch, mm-hmm. how we got out of the Ice Age, essentially. Global warming fixed itself. That's why the East Coast isn't underwater. <laughs> yeah. So you should thank nature instead of destroy yeah, what? it. California's right? I told you, I already told you I'm team nature. No, oh, listen, right. I'm team nature too, but I'm also, I'm like, you know, team nature, team people. That's a tough one. Team people versus team animals. You know me. I'm like, uh, team people all the way. Why but can't team we people, all just get along? That's kind of where I was going towards. Like, <laughs> doesn't it, does it not go back to the original thing I said about Theodore Roosevelt National Parks? We need to preserve our environment in order to be able to live in this one. <laughs> so I guess it's just right that, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's just right that it ended up the way it did because... They needed to leave that dead zone alone. They needed to leave that trench alone because having this thriving natural environment means a better, possibly, hopefully, a better environment everywhere else. I'm not saying that these animals can migrate, but we need these preserves in order to be able to look upon this and say, we, you know, we, we kept something alive in this dead world, let's say. The oxygen from all the vegetation is going to spread around the planet and things like birds and 
butterflies and insects can definitely cross the trench. The only thing that can't is large animals, but the insects and birds and things like that can easily cross the trench. Yeah, and as long as we respect that area, let's say, that preserve, and minimally interfere with it, it's kind of like how one grows a garden. You're only providing yourself with the nourishment that you need, let's say. This is basically the Earth's garden. This is providing the Earth with the nourishment it needs to survive. So we need little outgrowths or whatever trenches that, that we need to keep this planet in balance, let's say. And if we try, if we attempt not to, and maybe that's just the lesson of the Walking Dead universe is that there's no going back. This is how it is. You can only hope that you can mitigate damages going forward. What, yeah. are, what do they say? You can never go back, Bob? Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. What is that? What was that quote from? That's from Walking Dead. Don't they say that to Bob? Oh, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, you can't go back. Yeah, and maybe that's a constant theme in The Walking Dead. We talk about this when it comes to settlements, too, why they always fall. Is that the natural order of things now? Like, you just, there's no, be prepared to move, essentially. Like, and we all hate it, right? We all, who, who, who loves moving? None of yeah. us. Pack all our shit, have to go. Huh, I just want to plant roots. So, hey, if you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash Dead five stars, and an eggplant is all we need to know that you love us, but tell us what you liked. Tell us what you didn't like. Tell us what we forgot, because we were kind of all over the place today. But just remember to tell us after every episode. And if you like what we're doing on this journey and want to join us in the real-time chat, lending your own thoughts because, hey, they're not saying the thing that I thought of. Well, all you need to do is head over to ko-fi.com, create a free account, and follow us for free at ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead. We've been posting our recording schedules there. We do not post them on social media. So the only place you will know when we record is at ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead. Our recording sessions are free to join, not just for walkers or walker members or whisperer tier members or survivors tier members. It's, it's free. So join us in the real-time chat. Let us know what you think. And if you feel like buying us a coffee for 30 days of support about content, you can. And if you're much inclined, you can join a membership tier for as little as a dollar and get Discord access and join us in all these lovely little sneaky conversations that we've been having behind the scenes pertaining to some interviews we've got coming up. <laughs> but go big. Become a survivor. Yeah. yeah, then you could join us on screen like Elisa did today. So I've been your host, David Cameo, and I was joined by Cosmo Mom 9 Rachel Burt, Sharon D. A.K. Blazy Gardner, Bridget. KO-FI.com slash Punky Brewster. That's P-O-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R. And Survivors tier member, Aliza. Aliza Jones 71 on Instagram and JonesAJ6 on Twitter. Take care, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this episode breakdown. And we'll see you in the fifth episode of Tales of the Walking Dead. And Aliza's wearing a Freddy Krueger mask. Oh, no, I don't like it. <laughs> Welcome to so prime time, more. bitch. <laughs> You nosy bitch. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's stuck in my head. Take everybody. We'll see you in the next one. And uh, the next one being episode 200. <gasps> uh, episode 200 is coming and we're not doing anything special, but it's just about that time. So happy sixth anniversary to Squawking oh, Dead. We'll do Yay. something special on the 250th, right? That's the next milestone. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Sure, sure. Yeah, Take everybody. Good thing. He's got a saying. That's our quarter Squawking Dead episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. A silver, a silver, a silver anniversary in silver anniversary. Squawking Dead episode years. Whatever. Take care, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. And later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> but wait, don't go just yet. We have to give 
our thanks to our survivors and whispers to your members, both of whom support this podcast. We wouldn't be able to do the work we do without you. And you can be a tier member as well. Just head over to ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead slash tiers and join one today. When you join just the Walkers tier for as little as a dollar a month, you not only get notified when our unedited episode recordings drop, you also get automatic access to our Discord, as well as a whole host of baseline perks like certain YouTube playlists available to you that aren't available to the general public, as well as tons of behind-the-scenes things. But the Survivors tier members here receive the benefit of being able to join us in our episode breakdowns via camera and mic, and they are Eliza Jones 71 who joined us on this episode Elisa Jones 71 on Instagram Jasmine.iac on Instagram Linda Peck Athens ko-fi.com slash fanartlindy and Linda Jennings who is the admin for Walking Dead is Freaking Amazing on Facebook. That's right. Walking Dead is Freaking Amazing Facebook group. She's an admin. She's great. And she runs a tight ship. And we can't end this episode without talking about our Whispers here members whom are Judith.Morton on Instagram, Aiden Atkin, ko-fi.com slash Aiden Atkin, that's A-I-D-A-N-A-T-K-I-N, Tyler Phillip Cox on Instagram and Twitter, at FrostedAngel67 on Twitter, Sandy.D.Morrison on Facebook, J13Voorhees on Instagram and Twitter, and MRTNYVet on Twitter. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode, and we'll see you for episode 200, whatever that will be. We're still kind of trying to figure it out, but hey, if you want to help us figure it out, join one of the membership tiers we'll be talking about it on our discord so think about it again just follow us at ko-fi.com slash squawking dead it's free to do so and it'll notify you when we set up our recording session so you can join us in the real-time chat at the very least with your insights shaping these episodes further improving them and further involving you in this wonderful podcast that is for all of us because we are squawking dead see you in the next one